We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, January the 25th, 2021. Today's show, I will break down just what went wrong on Saturday. Gamecocks falling to Auburn 109-86, to and now we sit here scratching our heads wondering, what is next for Gamecocks basketball? I'll talk about that. Also, Frank Martin, the play of the team as a whole, of course, but we'll just try to break down and dissect what happened on Saturday at Colonial Life Arena. Also, your listener questions. And we have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks ran a pitcher, Braden Webb. Braden, awesome dude, took his time, joined the show. We had a fantastic conversation, guys. So sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention to their companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, by the way. They are a moving services company. And they're also employee-owned co-op, guys. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is just invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service, guys. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom creating and packaging of special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, guys, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group, and of course, their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. The show's also brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie, guys. It's that time of year, right? Playoff football is happening as I speak. It's the time of year when divisions are decided, champions are crowned, and legends are born. It's time for the NFL playoffs. Guys, you've watched and waited all year long as your team rose to the top and fell to the bottom, but now it's your turn to win big. And guys, you've heard the name just about everywhere, MyBookie, right? They're the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino. And it's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college ball, check, check, and check. MMA and soccer, hey, they've got that too. they got all the latest odds, period, guys. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. And guys, you can visit their mobile-friendly website and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 just by using the promo code GAMECOCKS. That's promo code GAMECOCKS when you make your first deposit. And guys, the best part is this. They make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Guys, whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or on your phone, it's never too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Guys, bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. Let's get it.
Well, guys, here we are yet again. Here we are yet again. Time truly is a flat circle when it comes to Gamecocks basketball. In this instance, is no different. I feel like this is deja vu. I feel like we were just doing this show when I talked about the LSU loss, but yet we didn't know how much worse it could get until on Saturday. Guys, appreciate y'all tuning in. Happy Monday. Hope y'all doing well. Hope y'all had a fantastic weekend, by the way. I uh, hope you enjoyed the great weather. I know I was out and about in Columbia, and I think on Saturday it was like 60 degrees. Perfect weather to get out and about. Went to some breweries, went out a little bit, whatever. Had a good time. Hung out with some pretty dope people. But again, we sit here on a Monday because, of course, what happened over the weekend and what has Gamecock fans scratching their head is the 23-point loss to the Auburn Tigers. And, of course, guys, it could have been way worse. I mean, the game was at 30 for a lot of the points. But, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to break it all down again. Thanks so much for tuning in here on a Monday, whether you're in the office, you're on the commute, you're off today, whatever you might be doing. Thank you for taking time out of here to tune in, guys. Just to let you guys know off the jump, uh, normal pod, number, normal daily stream, uh, live stream all week this week, Monday through Friday, noon to one on the Daily Crow, and the podcast rolls on as normal just to give you guys an update. But let's go ahead and dive into it. Let, let's, let's go and let, let's address the elephant in the room, if you will, and that is Auburn 109, South Carolina 86. <sighs> Where do you really begin here? You know what I mean? Where do you begin? Because my initial reaction is this, guys. I have a fear that we are approaching the apathy level for Gamecock basketball. And just before I came on to record, I got a great comment on YouTube that I want to read. Okay? And I don't know who this guy is or this person is, whatever, but it's a random comment. And it comes from Boog in Lady. So maybe it's a lady. I apologize. Whatever. Whoever it is. Boog in Lady. There's no picture or anything. This is the comment, and this is where I want to start. It says, how is Martin any different than Muschamp? There is no real difference. It's just we don't care as much as we do about football, so we tolerate mediocrity longer. Now, whether you agree with that statement, whether you disagree with that statement, I think there's a lot of merit in that statement. In the sense that, again, I like Frank Martin, and I'm not coming to you today on this show, January the 25th, 2021, here on a Monday. I'm not coming to you saying, fire Frank Martin. That is not the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm not saying that right now. But again, I think Boogan Lady makes a great point. Because I think Gamecock basketball is at a bit of a crossroads. And again, I know people are going to come into this show on a Monday saying COVID, COVID, COVID. And I, I, dude, I totally get it. I've acknowledged it all season long. And I, I hate to say it's even an excuse because it's been a real issue that this team has dealt with, right? Like, it really has. Five games in 50 days, all that good stuff. But as I said in my post-game video, if we're just going to make an excuse for the basketball team every, every time they lose because of COVID, what is the point in playing the rest of the season? Like, genuinely, I genuinely ask you that question. <clears throat> what is the point in playing the rest of the season? Because, <clears throat> basically, you're playing the season with a built-in excuse to lose. Really. There are no expectations. There are no expectations to win. And if there are no expectations to win, then what is the point? You know, they keep score for a reason. Winning is important. The score is important. Winning matters. And I understand South Carolina has dealt with COVID issues. I totally get that. I totally get that. But you look at the game on Saturday. 
109 to 86. You gave up over 100 points the first time, I think, since the mid-90s. And you're a Frank Martin coach team that supposedly prides itself on defense. You let Auburn shoot 52% from the floor and 52% from three-point range. They also went 15 and 16 from free throw line, just to, just to rub it in. And some of the things that we saw, again, this team, I, I it's crazy, guys, how much I feel like this is like football all over again. The things that I'm saying, I feel like I'm repeating myself from football season in the sense of, hey, this team has talent. I think there are good players on this team. We're starting to question the coaching. You know, the defense is horrific. Why is the defense horrific? You know, like Gamecock basketball is pushing Gamecock football for the worst defense in the 2020-2021 calendar year amongst all the sports. I don't know why. And again, I, I know some of you, again, get your panties on a wad because, you know, even to hear the word coaching or, again, I said this after LSU and I'll say it again, or after Mizzou and I'll say it again. I don't know why fans are so sensitive over Frank Martin. Because, listen, I like Frank. And as of right now, I am not leading the fire Frank Martin charge. Because I'll be honest. I'll be totally honest with you guys. You guys tune in because of my honesty. I just simply don't want to be that guy. I, I did it with Muschamp, the whole fire parade. And I don't really want to be that guy again. Now, granted, again, you see South Carolina lose three or four more in a row, and you never know what might happen. But I, I don't really want to bring that energy to, to the office every day. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. But, again, like Boogan Lady said, makes a great point. I think apathy has started to set in. And if South Carolina basketball had real expectations of putting a decent product on the floor, of making the tournament once every three years, four years, if Frank Martin was at a school that actually had expectations for basketball, he wouldn't be employed anymore, guys. He, he wouldn't. Flat out wouldn't. And again, that is not me saying, oh, the solution's to fire Frank Martin. Because, again, this season with COVID, I totally get it. I totally understand that. But, again, if after every single loss and every single game, for that matter, we're going to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, COVID. They've only played this many games in this many days. They were missing this guy and that guy. Like, then why are we even playing? Like, what is the point? What's the point? Bottom line, what's the point? The goal's to win. Hey, guess what? You might think the season is a wash. <clears throat> Heck, I might even think the season's a wash. But you know what? Frank Martin is still getting his paycheck. He's still getting paid millions of dollars to coach this basketball team and to put a product on the floor. And it's not happening, guys. Like, and I, I don't know really what the solution is. And again, I, I said this again after the Mizzou game. COVID be damned with this roster. With this group of guys, forget even making the tournament. If you can't put together a better effort than the one we saw on Saturday, something's got to change, bro. I'm not saying it's firing Frank Martin, but again, apathy is starting to set in. Heck, I was out and about in Columbia on Saturday. And I had people coming up to me like, oh, we played today in basketball? Like, they didn't even know. Nobody cares. We're not good enough to care, guys. We're not. We're not good enough for people to invest their time and emotion into watching the Gamecocks. They're not. We're not. And again, the longer we sit there and 
don't make a move? Because, hey, guys, I, again, you guys know I, I'm not like a diehard basketball guy by any means, but I'll be damned if I if I got to cover it <clears throat> and I love watching it. <clears throat> excuse me, guys. If I got to cover it and I'm sitting there watching it, like I want the product to be good. Personally, I want the product to be good, as I know you all do as well. Dawn Staley has shown Gamecock fans like basketball. But you know what they love? They like basketball. They love a winner. Gamecock fans love a winner. And I know I, I've seen some people say, oh, you know, it's uh, we, we just we need people to show up and pack the house. And, you know, even when we're not good, that's our biggest problem is fans are fair weather. No, bro. Fans are not fair weather. Fans just need a product. This is a business, bro. They need a product. It doesn't make you a great fan to support a team that goes, I don't know, let's let's equate it to football. It doesn't make you a great fan to support a team that goes 0-11 year after year after year, or 0-12, and not demand better and just say, you know what, I'm a fan, I'm going to show up either way. No, it makes you stupid. That's what it does. And it makes your program not progress and evolve. We'll take it off the field of sports. Just yourself as a human being. You know, to it's great to be supportive and to cheer yourself on and to be positive. It's fantastic. But to never demand more of yourself, demand you don't get better, demand you don't evolve, that is bad. That is bad. And that's how, no, hey, conflict creates progress. Conflict creates progress, guys. And, like, we're at the point right now for Gamecock basketball of conflict. We are. We are at that point. Bottom line, whether you guys like it or not, we're at the point of conflict. What do we do? And, again, I know this year's a quote-unquote wash. I know this year is, is whatever because of COVID and all that. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. But, bro, it's year nine, dude. It's year nine, and we're getting blasted on our home floor. We're getting blasted. We're getting, bro, that was probably the most pathetic display of bad. That, that game on Saturday was equivalent to the 48-3 loss to A&M. It really was in football. It, it really was. Hapless, uninspired, embarrassing from the start. It Start to finish. It was embarrassing. Because I'll tell you guys, it, it doesn't take talent to hustle. It doesn't take talent to play hard. It doesn't take talent to, to be smart. It really doesn't. And, and again, I'm not questioning these guys' effort and whatever. But, man, it sure did come off a lot of times, like <clears throat> a lot of wide-open shots that Auburn had gotten, a lot of 50-50 balls that Auburn just took with ease. I, I kind of question how badly we wanted to be out there. I kind of question... Our attitude. I kind of question our mental toughness a little bit. I mean, I, it, I don't, I don't understand it, guys. I, I really don't. And again, I know it's tough because of the COVID thing. I get it. But bro, somebody has to be held responsible. And why, why on God's green earth do fans have such a problem? Withholding Frank Martin accountable. Why? I'm not sitting here saying fire Frank Martin, but he's the damn head coach. He, that's his product on the floor. Why are you a, 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 a 
you know, why are you like the worst thing on earth? Why, why are you a demon if you say that? Why? I don't get it. <laughs> I just genuinely don't get it. And please, for the love of God, don't come to me with, oh, look what he's done. It was so much worse. That, like, it's like I said after Mizzou, guys. I think a lot of our fans, they just don't think we deserve to be decent, even freaking decent in basketball. Like, I just, I think a lot of y'all, dude, I think a lot, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to label everybody, but a lot of people, the, the overall tone that I see is that fans are just like, eh, as long as we're good enough to be entertaining, that's really all we expect. You know, well, it could be worse. You know, think of Dan, think of Darren Horn. No, guys, Darren Horn got fired because he didn't do a job. What are the expectations for Gamecock basketball? What are they? Again, is Frank Martin going to get fired? Is anything going to happen after this year? Probably not. I would put very good money on it that nothing will happen. But how many more years? I mean, just literally how many more years, guys? How many more years can we live vicariously through 2017? How many more years can we do it before it's like, okay, now it's time for a change? How many more years? How many more y'all want to give him? Three, four, five? If y'all think he shouldn't be fired, let's just give him a lifetime contract. You can, you can retire whenever. Don't matter how many games you win. Is there any pressure to win at South Carolina? I mean, dude, Frank Martin must have the best job in the world. He ain't got to win games. What a job. Uh, again, I'm not minimizing the challenges of winning at South Carolina in basketball. I'm not minimizing it. But I tell you what, there's a lot of you out there. Y'all have got some pretty damn high expectations for Gamecock football. I'll tell you that right now. And hey, Gamecock football, there is no reason Gamecock football should win an SEC title. There is no reason they should win a national title. None. Zero. Basketball and ba and uh, football, <clears throat> share that. Now, baseball, that's one of the reasons I love Carolina baseball. It's a standard of excellence, tradition. Our fans expect to go to Omaha. Now, and that's a that is a great thing. We have high expectations. That's awesome. Why is that not carried over to basketball and football? And again, a lot of y'all do have high expectations for football, which is great. Why are they not there for basketball? And I'm not even saying expectations of, oh, we got to get back to the Final Four. Bro, just expectations of getting to the tournament once every three years. Is that asking that much? Is it? It can't be. Come on. Alabama's about to win the damn league. They're not a basketball school. Come on. Really? It just gets old, man. And, like, again, what is there really to, to talk about from the game on Saturday? You just got waxed, bro. You got embarrassed. You got flat-out embarrassed. And so now the question is, where does South Carolina basketball go from here? You know, you if, if you want me to be positive, you actually got a chance to run a little winning streak. You got Georgia at home on Wednesday, right? Got Georgia at home, who is two and five in the league, nine and five overall. Not very good, whatever. And then Saturday, you go to Vanderbilt, who is 0 and five in the league and four and seven overall. The only team below you in the standings. So 
maybe you can start to build some confidence. Maybe you can get some back-to-back wins. Maybe you can start to restore some of that confidence that you had after A&M, which I, like, I don't know how this team beat A&M. I, I, just, I genuinely don't have a clue, to be honest with you. But I don't know, man. I, I'll tell you what. Again, I'm, I'm not going to keep saying it. The Oh, this is a must win. That's a must win. You need to have this one. You need to have that one. But, dude, if you lose to Georgia at home, another home game, <laughs> and especially if it's ugly, Those whispers I talked about, about Frank Martin, because there were whispers after Mizzou, for sure. There were whispers. Those whispers, they got a little louder on Saturday. They turned into a dull roar. You lose to Georgia at home, and especially if you look bad in doing so, those dull roars are going to turn into screams, straight up. Because, man, Gamecock fans are as loyal as they come. Bottom line. Best fan base in the entire country, in my opinion. As loyal as they come. But I tell you what, Gamecock fans have a breaking point. Bottom line. And, hey, some of you some of you came around a lot later on the must-champ thing than I did. Trust me. I know. I went rogue on that thing in 2019. But, hey, ask any Gamecock fan. They've all got breaking points. We all have a breaking point. We all hit a point where we're like, damn, something's got to give. So you lose to Georgia at home? Ooh, buddy. Ooh, buddy. So I I don't know. Like I said, guys, I'm torn on it because it pisses me off to watch this team. Like, it pisses me off that I spent two and a half, three hours of my day watching that. It, it pisses me off, dude, to watch that product. But I understand the challenges they're facing. I understand COVID's a real thing. I understand Frank Martin was out. I understand that, you know, you've got a couple players out. I get it. Five games in 50 days, all that jazz. I get it. But, guys, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You've got 11 More conference games left. 11. 11 games you have left in this season. Okay, 11. Are we going to use COVID as an excuse after every single game? Are we? Is that the excuse? After every game? Then just don't play. If we're not playing to win, don't play. Bottom line. So... Again, how do you bounce back? That's the big question. You got Georgia on Wednesday on your home floor. Again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but you got to have it. You just, you got to have it, bro. And we're not even talking about, <clears throat> I'm not even talking about making the tournament anymore. I'm just talking about being, like keeping decent graces with the Gamecock fan base. And I'll say this too, like with the COVID stuff, if you were to miss the tournament this year, but you saw a team fight, scratch, and claw, and like, hey, the COVID thing is a very real thing. Be competitive, but lose. You know, get a pass, whatever. But to go out there like you did Saturday, like, bro, you didn't just lose. You got destroyed. Like, it was never competitive, dude. The announcers on the telecast, if you guys didn't watch or (laughs) didn't hear them, like, bro, Midway through the first half and beyond, they were having like totally non-related conversations 
regarding everything else other than the game. That's how that's how brutal of a game that was. I mean, it was just brutal. Down by 32, I think, at one point. Like, just craziness, man. So, I, I, I don't think Gamecock fans... I've said it for football. I don't think fans have unrealistic expectations. Certainly in basketball, they don't. Especially this year. But fans just want to see a competitive product. They want to see a product they can sit down and watch and cheer for and have a just a little bit of pride in. Because right now, again, guys, like I said, we're not good enough for people to give a damn. That's what's depressing, honestly. We're not good enough. We're just not. And that doesn't make people bad fans. But, you know, hey, it's a fight for attention these days, right? In the social media world and, and everything's streamed and there's so much going on, right, in, in, in the world and sports and all of it. Even South Carolina is fighting for the fans' attention. They are. You got to put a decent product on the floor for people to watch, for people to invest. People have limited time, limited emotion, limited energy. Why would they invest that energy, time, and emotion in a product that stinks, especially when it's basketball? Football is different, right? Football can get away with it. Football can, you know, we could go 0 and 11 for the next five years in a row, and we're all gonna we're all gonna tune in, right? We're gonna watch every game. Now we're gonna be pissed off. Podcast wouldn't be nearly as fun, but we're going to watch. We're invested, no matter what, because it's football. But with basketball, you got to have a good product, man. You got to have an interesting product. You got to have a product <coughs> that competes and at least people take pride in. And right now, we do not have that. We don't have that. Again, that's the concerning part. The concerning part's not that we're we're not making the tournament. That's not the concerning part. I mean, it sucks. And I think the expectation needs to be there. But that's not what's most concerning. What's most concerning is, again, we're not even interesting or good enough for the common fan to give a damn. Apathy is setting in, guys. Apathy is setting in. Bottom line. And it's painful to watch. So, <clears throat> again, I, I know this has been my my Monday rant, if you will. Um, <laughs> I know this has been my Monday rant. I, you know, but you guys all watched it. You know, we all saw what happened. <laughs> so it, it's just just sick and tired of being sick and tired, man. There's really no other way to put it. Just sick and tired of being sick and tired. We'll see what happens. You got to bounce back. You got to bounce back. Game against Georgia on Wednesday, you got to bounce back. Obviously, we'll break that game down um, <clears throat> on Wednesday in its entirety, guys. Let's go ahead and move into the listener questions. Kind of a brief show today, just talking basketball. Uh, we do have the great interview, but uh, let's go ahead and move into your listener questions, and we'll get to the interview. Riley Greer.26 says, Frank, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. USC fan 1023. You know it's time, Chris. Frank's got to go after this season. I don't know, man. I, I, 11 more games. Let's let it play out. 11 more games. Okay. Let's let it play out. That's all, that's all I'll say. Uh, 
Brandon Owens, 10. Trey Hannibal needs more playing time. That's fair. Dude, God, I mean, I I don't like calling dudes out individually. I really don't. But this is more about Frank Martin and his coaching decisions, guys. How Seventh Woods is still in the starting five is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. A literal, a literal Seven Wood would be better at point guard than Seventh Woods. Literally, a Seven Wood. I know Trey Hannibal's game is erratic and all over the place. I'm not saying he's the perfect player. He's far from it. But damn, he's more fun to watch than Seventh Woods is. I can tell you that. God. And I didn't have these crazy high expectations of Seventh Woods like some people did. But man, I thought he was going to be serviceable. I mean, I don't know what... Guys, I don't know what's going on with Seventh Woods. I, I genuinely, genuinely don't have a clue. I'm trying to pull up his stat. Did he... I think he did score yesterday. I think he did score. He had, let's see, four points. Went one for five from the field, two for two from the free throw line in 15 minutes. Again, guys, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, Trey Hannibal needs to play more. I agree. St. Dot Kirk says, largest college in South Carolina. Best facilities in South Carolina. Third best football team in South Carolina. Fourth best basketball team in South Carolina. There is no excuse. That's a fair point. That's very fair. James JX Fit. Frank must go. Pretty simple and straight to the point. And last question here, or last statement. Krusty Andy says, give me one reason not to stop watching men's basketball. Oh, Krusty Andy. Uh, One reason to not stop watching it. Well, I mean, we let's let's all be honest with ourselves, man. Whenever, whenever there's a train wreck, we 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 look away, but we keep one eye open, right? We watch it. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's just, and I would say the reason you should keep watching it is because is because I still do believe there's talent on this team. Keyshawn Bryant with 24 points on Saturday, AJ Lawson with 23. Will Justin or will uh, will Jermaine Kuznard ever come out of his shell? I know he had 16 on Saturday, but I mean, you know. There's talent on this team, I think. I really do believe that. But I don't know, man. I don't know. So I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. Again, game Wednesday against Georgia. Guys, appreciate you all tuning in. This has been fun. Uh, A little therapy Monday, if you will. I'm actually a lot more upset about basketball than I thought I would be. And again, it it just comes back to there's losing and there's losing the way you did Saturday, you know, and it just, it cannot be tolerated guys. It can't, it can't come on. I'm not the bad guy here and being critical of Martin and this team. Do y'all, I mean, do you enjoy losing the people condoning this? Do you enjoy losing? I don't, I just simply do not. I'm sick of it, bro. I'm sick of tuning in and seeing the same BS. I don't – hey, guess what? Here's a newsflash. 2017 Final Four was awesome. I don't care anymore that we made the Final Four. I just genuinely don't care. Bottom line, I don't care, bro. We got hot for two weeks. Cool. That's great. Then what? So what? Now what? Not a huge fan of Muschamp, but he left us with a good slogan. So what? Now what? What have you done since? Nothing. That's the point. That's why people are getting upset and frustrated. So, 
Hopefully the boys can turn it around, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. We got a great conversation. Great interview. Former Gamecocks Ryan pitcher Braden Webb. And Braden and I, great buddies, man. And Braden's just an awesome dude. Um, really appreciate him taking his time to come on the show. And we talked about, you know, we had Braden on actually, I think May of 2019 or something like that. And uh, obviously broke down his career and everything at Carolina. But we, we, we still did that in this one. But a lot of stuff off the field, too. And Braden is an awesome dude in the sense of the type of person that he is. Uh, great baseball player, obviously, with the Brewers right now. And, um, you know, appreciate him as a friend in my life. You know, I, I feel fortunate enough to call him that. But, uh, you know, that, that's one of my favorite parts, guys, is when we get these guests on and I'm able to really peel back the layers. And, you know, I love hearing about their Carolina careers and stuff. And But, like, especially when those conversations about them wearing the garnet and black lead into discovering who they are as a person. And I love hearing about people's, struggle if you will and overcoming adversity like I love hearing those stories and Braden Webb's story I mean just literally fits that literally fits that so yeah guys thank you for tuning in happy Monday appreciate you guys appreciate the love support man I appreciate everybody that rocks with me dude you guys are the best seriously all we got is all we need and uh I really do appreciate you guys seriously from the bottom of my heart it's genuine it, it means the world so again appreciate it guys happy Monday enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks Ryan pitcher Braden Webb All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2015 to 2016. During his career, most notably known for the 2016 season, he compiled a 10-6 and record, 3.09 ERA. In 102 innings pitched, he actually set the freshman single-season record for strikeouts with 128 Ks in that 2016 season. He was then drafted in the third round of the 2016 MLB draft by the Milwaukee Brewers and is currently in the Brewers organization. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher, Braden Webb. Braden, appreciate you taking the time. And I should also mention friend of the show. We were talking off air. He was back on when it was episode 89. And now it's literally episode, this will be the one that drops episode 366. So it's been a while, man. You were due for a return visit. And obviously I think <laughs> people can probably see you've got the, uh, the throwback logo in the background. Very nice touch, man. I, I appreciate that. How you been, man? It's good to chat with you once again. Yeah, bro. I've been good. Just chilling. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's go back, Brayden, because your story is really, really interesting. I, I want to go back to the beginning from you. And again, South Carolina had that really nice pipeline uh, from the state of Oklahoma there for a bit. Obviously, Jonah Bride, a really, really good buddy of yours, another Oklahoma product. But you come from Owasso High School in Owasso, Oklahoma. Um, highly regarded prospect, had a, a successful career in the high school ranks. J just talk about how you ended up at South Carolina, what that recruiting process was like, and why you chose to be a Gamecock. Man, it just started my uh, sophomore summer going into junior year of high school. Uh, I was playing for a team called the Evo Shield Canes, and we were out at the East Cobb Tournament, the World Woodback Classic. And I just remember the getting picked up to play for the Canes, um, by Jeff Petty and Gibson. They uh they called me and they were like, Hey, do you wanna you wanna come play? I was like, Yeah, I'd love to. I get there. I'm sitting there at the first game and my shorts in a in a jersey because I didn't have a uniform yet. And they're like, What's you're pitching tomorrow? What what schools are you interested in? I was like, What are you talking about? Like I'm not even worried about college. I'm I got two more years of high school left. And they're like, no, seriously, it's time for you to start thinking about what school you want to go to. Oh, I love South Carolina. He's like, okay. So I get, to, I go to warm up, and I look back there, and there's like 50 radar guns just like <laughs> pointed at me, and you just see South Carolina, North Carolina, 
Clemson, Florida, LSU, just all these schools that are back there. And after the game, or I I pitched my five innings, came off the field, and after the game, uh, Jeff walks over to me and hands me a card, and on the on it it says Coach Holbrook, University of South Carolina, and then on the back it says Give me a call. <laughs> so I called him. He's like, Hey, I really want to. I really want to talk to you. I'm interested in getting to know you. Player and I just like lost it. I was like, "There's no way." Like, <laughs> kid from Oklahoma, and so just developed a relationship with them. And then once they offered me, I, it was it was wraps for me. I knew I knew that I wanted to be there for sure. Braden, do me a favor, pull that mic a little bit closer to your mouth. We don't want you. We don't want there you go. We don't want you cutting in and out, my guy. You're fine, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so no, so you, no, you're good. So you talk about Chad Holbrook, by the way. And again, I, I know that from our previous conversations and we've chatted off air a lot about Carolina baseball. And I know you're a guy and it, you, this is, I feel like this is the verdict amongst all the guys I've talked to that played for coach Holbrook. Obviously you have a, a very, very close relationship, very tight relationship. He was a player's coach and obviously again, a huge part of Gamecock baseball. I mean, it literally was part of those staffs that won the back-to-back titles and went to the finals three years in a row. But I, I want to get your personal experience with Chad Holbrook. Obviously I know, Again, from the last time we talked, just I know how you feel towards him because he actually gave you the opportunity, you know, to come to Columbia. And even when you were battling through the injuries and stuff like that, which we'll get into in just a second, he stuck by your side and obviously paid off. But and everything happens for a reason. We all know what happened in 2017. Now he's he's down at College of Charleston doing great things. But just speak on Chad Holbrook a little bit and what that relationship was like. Man, Coach Holbrook is is the best. Uh, you know, I have nothing but but love in my heart for that man, just because of the fact that. Like you said, I was injured. He could have very well stripped my scholarship and told me to piss off, and he didn't. He called me and was like, "Hey, we still want you here," and I was like, "Okay, like I'm gonna honor my commitment to you guys." And showed up to campus, and it was like he treated everybody like they were his own kids, you know. And I think that's why players always speak highly of him, is just because. I, he'll still call me or text me, and he'll, he'll just be like, hey, love you, love you, man, thinking about you, whatever, how's the family, hope all is well. I can expect one of those randomly every every few months just because of how, how much he loves and he cares about his players. And it was it was just a great time playing for him, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Talk, talk a little bit about Braden. Let's just go ahead and dive into, like, the injury history. Because, again, you talked about South Carolina honoring their – uh, their offer to you and you honored your commitment and stuff like that. You're a guy, again, you, you battled a ton of adversity. I mean, on field, off field, whatever. Um, and I know, I think you told me last time you, you thought maybe there was a chance that or people thought you would never pitch again, would never throw a baseball again. I, I mean, just where did the injury history start for you? I guess it started in high school, right? Like just kind of walk me through. Cause obviously 14, you were hurt 15. You spent the entire year recovering and then 16, you finally got back on the mound again. Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess the injury started initially whenever I was 12. I was wrestling uh, in the living room with my cousin Rodney. Um, he dropped and he picked me up and he dropped me and I hit my elbow on the coffee table. It was marble, and I get I, I guess the bone that's like covering the UCL had pulled the UCL off of my elbow, and it shriveled up and died. And so from the time I was 12 until I had blown through my elbow in 14, I didn't have a UCL. So I was pitching that whole entire time 
with no UCL on my elbow and stretch which, sound, which sounds like it shouldn't be possible. Honestly, it, it does sound like it shouldn't be possible. <laughs> but like you said, you know, everything happens for a reason. Right, and God, right. and God will. And I, I ended up where I was because of it. Dang, that, that is wild. That so then so what? What was the injury in fourteen? Was it just it was something? It was stem from that, right? Uh, it the, I mean the initial surgery was supposed to be just getting two screws in my elbow because I fractured all the way through right. my olecranon. But then during the MRI, they went in and they dug deeper and they were like, oh, and you, on top of it, you didn't have a UCL. So <laughs> we're going to fix that problem too. And as I just remember going into the surgery room, like I was about to like pass out from the, the drugs or whatever that they give you to mm. go into the surgery. Uh, and the, I just remember hearing the doctor say, this is the most messed up arm I've ever seen. Like, this is bad. I was like, oh, no. Like, that's the worst thing that I could possibly hear before passing out and not knowing what's going on. So was it was it at that point that did the doctors tell you, like, hey, like, there's no guarantees or, like, we don't think you'll ever be able to throw again? or like when, when it, was a, it was actually after the surgery. They, okay. they were like, the surgery went clean. However, we had to, you know, even out bones put screws in your elbow, reconstruct a UCL that is non-existent. So they're like, good luck. It's like, thanks. Jeez. Appreciate you. Wow. So what what was, I'm curious, what was the rehab like? I mean, did they give you a timetable? Like, Hey, if if you do get back, it should be. It wasn't, it it literally wasn't, there was no timetable. Cause like, you know, I'm obviously with Tommy John and like you tear your labrum, there's a very set regimented, like, Hey, you do this, this week, this, that week. Like I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you. There was no like set regimen. Like they were like, typically we, we would throw around, around five, six months. It's like, okay, like that's not, that's not a bad timeline. And then I'm, I ended up moving back to uh, Maryland to train with Jamie Evans, and he was like, "Yeah, there's no timeline. We just got to get you ready for the fall. So let's let's get after it. Let's push ourselves." It's like, okay, like I didn't. I don't think I followed. There's a Tommy John throwing mm-hmm. list. I don't think I followed that thing for one day. Like it was <laughs> like, it was like they told me that I wasn't gonna throw. So screw that. You're screw defying them. odds anyway. Yeah, yeah, like, screw, matter, them. Right? <laughs> screw them. Like, I'm I'm going to get it the way that I want to get it. And so I got after it and ended up being better than what I was. I was about to say, were there ever moments for you where you had doubts of, like, like because I'm sure there that, that type of recovery, that you're going to have some good days and you're going to have some not-so-great days. I mean, were there ever moments for you where you, like, you questioned whether you'd even be able to get back to what you were? The first, The first five months – I would say was extremely difficult because I wasn't throwing. Like I, I was literally just trying to build everything back up, get range of motion, everything, uh, in order to get prepared to throw. But once I hit throwing, it was like I'm throwing the baseball as hard as I can every time I throw it because I'm not going to be told that, you know, you're you're not going to be good again. And so then you were ready for fall of fifteen, right? Yes. I, I want to go back, by the way, that spring of 15, though, because, I mean, you were on – were you on campus all season or were you in Maryland just training? Like, were you I, – I literally deferred for the entire year. So, okay. I, okay. I didn't I didn't redshirt. That's why I was draft eligible as a true freshman. Right. But I I deferred for a year so that I could come in and be fully healthy gotcha. for the okay. 16 season. And then tell me about the first time <clears throat> you took the mound after – the injury because i'm assuming that was fall of 15 right it wasn't spring of six that right? 
No, no, no. It, I mean, the first time I took the mound was in the fall. However, I don't think it really anything really settled in for me until I crossed the line for that first game day. Right, right, right. And I lost. But you, it. but you knew your arm was good to go before that. I'm saying, like, oh, you were yeah, able yeah. to pitch a, you were able to pitch a full fall and just kind of come back and. Hundred percent. I mean, which is think, wild that you were able to just oh, ho hum, just come back like no big deal after being told you'd you'd never throw again. Probably that, that to me is like that's just wild. I mean, yeah. did you ever call that doctor up after the fact? Uh, I talk. I still talk. <laughs> I actually still talk to him all the I time. Mean, <laughs> hey, a little bit of a misevaluation, my guy. Well, he said he, he he looks at me all the time, and he's like, "Cal, you're the best miracle arm I've ever seen." <laughs> I was like, "All right, thanks, man. I appreciate you." For sure. Well, like I said, you get to that 2016 season. Again, explain to people, because you were draft eligible and you were drafted after that season, so you deferred. What what does that mean exactly? I offered up my scholarship so that Holbrook and staff could have went out okay. and got other guys for what they were giving me. Do you know who they went and got? Did they make it like valuable? I'm, I'm curious now. I have no idea who they went and got. <laughs> yeah, you, you use that on a big time guy. It's like, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> no, I would never, I would never do that. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, we got to move in again. That 2016 season, which, you know, Braden, it's crazy because you look at that season. We were talking about this a little bit off here. You were actually, by the way, a 2015 MLB draft pick, too, 38th round by the Cleveland Indians. I mean, <laughs> You were just getting picked up either way. Like, it didn't matter. I don't know, man. Just wild. Anyways, anyways, you get to that 16 season, though. You earned freshman All-American honors from collegiate baseball and NCBWA. You were freshman All-SEC. You were on the Golden Spikes Award midseason watch list. And you were on the College Baseball Hall of Fame National Pitcher of the Year Award watch list. But we have to start at the beginning, like you said, that 2016 season, which is wild. You had 18 appearances, 17 starts, and you had 16 decisions, which is just mind-blowing to me that you had that many decisions. But again, a 3.09 ERA, 102 innings pitch. You allowed just 43 runs, 35 earned. Um, opponents hit just 216 against you. And again, the number that sticks out, you set the freshman single-season record with 128 strikeouts. And if anybody, anybody's ever watched you sling the pill, um, obviously you're, you're a big strikeout guy, you got really, really good stuff. But that first game back, like you said, when you cross the white line and you know, you're in a competitive game, I'm, ass- I'm assuming it's a packed founders park, a packed house. Just describe the emotions there. It actually was kind of a gloomy day. I'm not gonna really? lie. It was gloomy until like the fourth or fifth inning. And I, that was right. As I was going out of the game, I was like, uh, but as soon as I, as soon as like that, you heard Sir Big Spur Crow. And they they were playing Sandstorm. It was just like, oh my god! Like I'm about to actually cross the line and and, and play mm. for the University of South Carolina, and I'm gonna do it fully healthy after being told, you know, hey, there's not a chance that there, there. I mean, there's a chance you might not ever play again. Mm. So as soon as I, I have a little bit, or there's like a clip of it on it, my Instagram, and it's like as soon as I cross the line, I just. I start crying. Like I was out there, like tears in my eyes, warming up. Because it it's just, it was so heartwarming mm. to to actually get to do that. And it was against Albany, if I recall correctly, right? Was that the was that the game? Was the, yes. Yeah, because you got the win. I'm I'm just pulling up the stats right now. Yeah, you went five uh, <laughs> innings, one hit, two earned runs, uh, three walks, five strikeouts. But overall, you got you got the W. You got the yeah. W in that first game out. I don't think I started striking people out regularly until after we I got my butt kicked by Clemson. 
which is not something I'm ever happy about because I play with uh, Weston Wilson. He's in my organization. Right. And great, great human. Absolutely love Wes. Um, But I give him crap about stuff all the time. Like one time he got socks in the clubhouse that had Clemson Tigers on them, and I took them and threw them in the trash. He was so mad at me. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't didn't start striking. I didn't feel like I was really myself until after that Clemson series. Yeah. What, just kind of just motivated you, I guess, right, to kick it in the gear? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 100%. Did you did you start the Clemson game? Was it in Greenville or did you start the one at their point? I started. I dude. When I say, when I tell you that I thought like Founders Park was loud for the first few weekends, right? The, that Greenville thing. I went to Field of Bunt, <laughs> and I just I felt like this sea of just orange and purple just <laughs> like erupted on me, and I was like, I, I was just that's the loudest place that I've ever played in, I think. And for what it's worth, I mean, yeah, you threw four and a third. Four four runs, two earned, though. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Clayton Schmidt threw a gym that day, and we, we couldn't get anything, so. No. Yeah. I, I'm curious to get your take, by the way. You, you obviously were on the team with a lot of <clears throat> great Gamecock arms. I mean, most notably, I just talked to Tyler Johnson a couple days ago, and Clark Schmidt was on that team. And I know Will Crow was, too, but he was hurt, but – just talk about the competition. I mean, that, that had to make you better too. I mean, because to earn a to earn a spot in that rotation, like you you had to be on. I mean, bottom line. I mean, that was you know to be. I mean, that's. I mean, I would say that every year too. Like to be a weekend starter for the University of South Carolina. You know, you, you got to be one of the best of the best for sure. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you the story that I I told you the other night um, when we were talking about this. The first day that we had like team practice or team weights, I'm. Just, sitting in there waiting on the workout <laughs> and Clark comes up to me. He's like, Oh, what did they tell you you're going to do? Like, what's your job? I was like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm here to compete to be a pitcher for the team. He was like, yeah, like I got Friday locked up. So, and I forget who he said had Saturday. He looked at me, he goes, maybe you'll be on Sunday or like, maybe, maybe you'll come out of the bullpen for us. I was just like, I don't know if this dude is trying to like get in my head right now or if he's just like being serious because I just looked at him and I was like, okay, like sweet, I guess. And But I didn't let him know that deep down inside I was ready to fight him. Like I was <laughs> like, that. there's no chance that you're going to sit here and tell me where I'm going to pitch, man. And it was just like – He's he's one of Clark. I mean, Clark's one of the best teammates that I've ever had, and I, he he knows how to motivate people. He knows how to, you know, be a, be a good leader. And I, I really didn't realize it until recently how true how truly blessed I was to to go up and compete against somebody like that every single day. Because if if I didn't have people like that to push me. Um, especially I'm in my younger age, like I, I've always been stubborn and hard-headed about really everything that I do. Um, it's, it's either my way or the highway, and you know, just learning from somebody who had been there before and and done that uh, in Clark was was incredible. Because the guy, the guy, like I said, you know, he knows how to push push people's buttons and get some get them going, and he did that to me all season. So it was like, I feel like that's why we were so great as as. Friday and Saturday 
is just because we had each other to to drive each other. For sure. Now, I know you talked a lot about the uh, <clears throat> the Clemson memory is one that sticks out from the 16 season. Um, I think, was it Arkansas was your first SEC win ever? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, six and a they, they came into our place, and they were yeah. ranked ahead of us. Yeah, six and a third, three hits, two runs, one earned. Um, I, I just really wanted to get your take on what's like a positive memory from that 16 season from SEC play for you. Because like you said, that's really when you cut it on was in SEC play. Yeah, I think – I want to say like – out of the 128 strikeouts, like 90-something came from SEC play. Right, right. I don't think I had very many going before going into it. Um, but no, I, yeah, I would say that's really where I really turned it on. Um, Arkansas was great, but then I think we followed up with Ole Miss right after that. Yeah, it was Ole Miss at their place. I remember <laughs> I, was, I was in the bullpen, and my allergies had been killing me. I'm in the bullpen and I literally yacked. Not not out of like nervousness or anything. Like I I literally couldn't breathe out of my nose. I'm sitting there trying to throw and it just out of nowhere it just hit me. I go over in the corner, I start yakking. And I did it to where the people that had like the the beer garden right, right. could not see me. <laughs> it's the last thing you would That want. was the last thing that I wanted. And I'm sitting there, Coach Myers like, yo, are you okay? Like, are you, are you good? Mm. I was like, yeah, like, I'm fine. Relax. Like, leave me alone. Like, I, I promise you I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go pitch. We're going to win this game. Don't worry. First inning comes around. I gave up two, <laughs> I gave up two runs. He comes out there, talks to me. I think I punched out. Like, or I, I, I think after the, he came out and talked to me, it was like he said something. It, I just I don't even remember exactly what he said, but he said something that just like stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, it was like, oh, I'm taking SEC play by the balls, bro. Like I'm, a, I'm about to become the man. But uh, that's just the confidence that that one conversation with him had in the top of the first inning at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, you had a great game, too, dude. Probably, I guess maybe this would have been one of your better ones is the game at Vandy. Um, and that's always a big matchup. And I'm looking right now, dude. I, I did not even realize. At the time, we were 20, or South Carolina was 24 and four overall, seven and one in the league. And they were ranked third. Y'all were ranked second. And all you do is go out there and throw eight innings of two hit shutout ball with 11 Ks. I know, I know that one had to feel pretty good. I mean, that's, I mean, we all see what Vandy's doing, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's big arm after big arm after big bat after big bat, and you just shoved it up there, you know what, so. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think uh, another thing about Clark was the night before he, <laughs> he had a rough first inning mm-hmm. and then ended up pitching eight innings after that, just absolutely carving. Mm-hmm. Um, he came over to me. After that game, he looked at me and said, uh, he, he just looks at me in my face and he goes, you got next or something like that. And I was just like, okay. He's like, just, basically, that was his way of saying, like, don't let what happened to me tonight happen to you tomorrow. Right. And so I slept, I slept in way later than I normally do because uh, I, I just was so, like, ex- I was so ready for that game. Mm. So excited! Like I, I don't know what had 
gotten over me about that game, but I think it was just because Clark came over to me and said something. But I was sitting there on the after we had left the hotel. This is like three or four. I'm sitting there on the bus. I got my headphones on, sunglasses on. Like I said, it, it's it's dark outside. Like I don't. <laughs> I'm okay. So story story about me. So on days that I would pitch, I literally would put on a hoodie, sunglasses. And I would just sit in my locker and listen to music. Mm. That was it. And then while everybody else would go out, me and Will or me and Adam, we would sit in there and we would play cornhole against each other <laughs> while everybody else is out there on the field. It's like just funny stuff. But anyway, so now going into the Vandy game, I was just I was so ready. And after I had taken my fall on the mound, because there's another, <laughs> there's another embarrassing thing. I, that I actually, I, you had that on Twitter pinned for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah was, my foot got caught in the turf, and I, I gave it the old <laughs> boom boom. Uh, but after that, it was like, let's go. Like, I just, I just want to dice these guys up. You were, I was gonna say, you were also known as the backflip guy, right? I mean, that, that was you. Yeah, that you didn't true. do that on days you pitched, did you? No, I only did it on Sundays when we were going for sweeps. Gotcha. Okay. I was about to say that. That, would well, be- that, that also, somebody was like, I'm tired of doing this because we would shotgun Red Bulls or monsters and just like smash them on people's heads or whatever. Right. And somebody else was like, or somebody was like, anybody got any cool party tricks? I was like, yeah, like I can do a backflip. They're like, there's <laughs> no way that you're about to, you can do a backflip. I was like, yeah, watch this. And I, they're like, okay. They got in the middle, and then everybody went crazy after the first one. So it's just like it kept going and kept going. Jeez. Known as the backflip guy. Uh, I want to I want to jump to a funny story, Braden, that again, we were talking a little bit off air, and I'll, I'll give you the floor and let you roll with it. But uh, game at Kentucky, <clears throat> you set the – again, I talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, you hold the strikeout record, single season – strikeout record for a freshman with 128 Ks, which is a lot. That's a lot of strikeouts. But it came in a 6 nothing loss at Kentucky, and you started the game, went seven innings, whatever. You guys, you had 10 Ks in that game too, but you guys lose 6 nothing. Just talk about that night because, again, personally for you, I mean, in the back of your mind, I know you're probably like, you know, this is a great achievement and you're happy about it, but you guys just lost 6-0. I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know. Hard, hard to be celebratory in, in that type of – with that type of result. Yeah. Uh, I mean, after the game, like, I didn't even know that I had actually broken the record. Right. Um, until somebody came up to – or the, the every, all the reporters and stuff were coming up, and they're like, Braden, like, how's it feel? You just broke the single-season record. <laughs> yeah, I was like, guys, seriously? <laughs> and I, like, turned and pointed at the scoreboard. I was like, do you, do you not see that we just got our – asses handed to us like this is i I don't care about this record like this it it doesn't mean anything what means something to me is going out there and winning and we didn't do that today i turned around and i got on the bus i was just like sorry i don't really want to talk to you guys right now i'm pissed jeez it's so funny because i'm just going down this list that people forget how good that 16 team was Honestly, oh, yeah. they do. Um, and, I, and I'll ask you on that note, because, again, I talked to Tyler about it, talked to Will about it, obviously, but <clears throat> guys who were a part of that team, you know, I, I've been able to talk with a ton of them, just the, the fun that team had. And I think it was you that said it probably originally. That's the most fun year of baseball you've ever had. And I know Destino's a guy that said that to me a lot. I mean, just talk, what, what was so special about that group of dudes, you think? 
think it was just everybody was there for everybody, you know? It wasn't like any one person wished any ill on anybody else and they weren't it, it wasn't like anybody was super mad that they weren't playing or they weren't starting or or anything like that. It was we're just going out there and we are picking the next guy up the entire season. I feel like that's why that team was so close. It was just it was something special to be a part of, that's for sure. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could have been with them for the next year too. But, yeah, know. I was gonna say I, I want to move into again the postseason. You guys get in the super regionals, um, and it's so funny because I'm looking again at the schedule. And in, in, in typical Gamecock baseball fashion, you guys went two and Q in the SEC tournament. I, I don't know what I, we just don't. I don't think South Carolina likes the SEC tournament. We really don't. I don't know. Even the uh, even the teams that won the back to back. They, did, they didn't – I think it was two and Q basically for them, too. I, I don't know what it is about Hoover, but we, we're not fans. No. Um, <clears throat> but that regional was really interesting because – and you guys, you think about it, you guys had lost three – or no, wait, let's see, two games in a row. coming. So, I mean, not really a bad losing streak or anything, but you lose that Friday game to Rhode Island, five to four. Um, and you come back and you sweep through the rest of it. And I want to ask you about the Duke game, the second game, because you started, but you only went like three innings and you didn't even give up a run. What was the de- – why did they pull you? Why they pull you? I, I, okay, so in <clears throat> my entire baseball career, I have this problem of like being really aggressive mm-hmm. with my lower half, and when I do that, my cleat like rubs my foot, and I had a huge hole in in the side of my foot from like pitching, and I think that that was the day that I I was throwing I was throwing gas that day, man. <laughs> That was like the best day of my life. I was so mad that I had got, I had gotten pulled from that game. Um, <clears throat> seriously, I, I swear on my life that was the best my arm had felt all year. Um, I just remember Jonah looking at me from third base and like, yo, chill out. <laughs> like, first first warm up pitch pops up. I, I think I did it. I think I did it twice. Because my first warm up pitch that day read ninety seven on the gun on the the old gun, and it was like the gun that you never knew was right or like if it, if it was above ninety five, it was typically it was more true. But if it was like below it, you never knew if it was actually like ninety five or whatever. And I think my first warm up pitch was ninety seven on that, and Jonah was like, "Dude, chill out! Like <laughs> you, you're about to have to pitch entire game." And then midway through that game or, or midway through that third inning. I had sliced my foot open and I, I was literally like bleeding through my socks and everything. And so I, they, they came out there and they're like, are you all right? I was like, yeah. So I threw one more pitch and it just went sailing. They're like, nah, you're done. They, they're like, We're, we might need you to come in later on. Right. Well, I mean, you guys get through that regional, which I, I think was impressive. And it's funny. I was talking to Tyler about this. You guys, you guys got your revenge on Rhode Island when you beat them 23 to two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just took it out on him. I mean, I think I think that was the game Jonah got ejected. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because he accidentally bumped the catcher. And it, wow. I, I just remember, dude. That I'm talking about another good experience. I just remember I was sitting there with Clark on the. We were in the visitors dugout. Right. right yeah. Jonah comes around, accidentally hits the catcher. The catcher gets up, it's like looking over Jonah. Chris Collins standing there, like I hope you do, bro. Like he's looking, <laughs> down, he's looking down at this catcher because you know how big right. he is. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I hope you do. And everybody from their dugout starts coming out, 
And Clark looks at me and he goes, you going? I was like, I go if you go. (laughs) (laughs) So we both jumped this rail. And Coach Myers sees me and Clark going. He comes up out of the dugout. He's like, no. No, I give him a, I give him a spin move and I kept going towards the plate. Clark, Clark gave him a, we, it was like a, we did it like a double, little double spin. And I don't know how I, I might've put some D-backs in a blender on that one, but uh, we're standing there at home plate with these, these guys like just ready to go. It was the best. Jeez. Well, I, I want to ask you, especially man, that postseason. You go to the Super Regionals, which is big no matter what, and it's in Columbia. But I know that had to be really big for you personally because you took on Oklahoma State, which, again, you're an Oklahoma guy, and you're literally taking on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. You start that first game. And, again, I, I know it didn't go the way the series at least did not go the way you guys wanted it to. Um, Oklahoma State was a really, really good team that year. But, I mean, you threw well, no, no question. Seven and two-thirds, six hits, two runs, one earned, five Ks. Just talk to me about it again. I, I have to imagine you had a little extra juice in that one. I mean, you're literally starting against your, I don't want to say hometown team, but like the state you're from, you're going up against these guys. Um, um, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was a little, it was, a, it was a crazy feeling just because like you said, you know, they're from my home state. And for me, it was kind of like, I had a little chip on my shoulder again, going up against them. Just because I actually worked with their pitching coach my entire life. I, I'll still work with him to this day. Um, Rob Walton, mm. he has a wizard. Those are stuff. So uh, that and the recruiting coordinator for them at the time, his name was Marty Lease or something like that. He was recruiting me in high school, and he couldn't even say my name right. <laughs> Kept calling me Brandon. And – Rob would look at him and be like, yo, his name is Braden. Like, what are you what are you doing? And I was like, I was like, I just kept my mouth shut and said, The ultimate disrespect. The ultimate yeah. But then it, he was like, Oh, we need a commitment out of you today because they knew that I was going to South Carolina literally the next day to visit. And I was like, nah, that's not gonna happen. So they pulled their that was the only school that I had that pulled their scholarship offer from me. But it was literally like they offered it to me and then and it was like wow. It, it wasn't even comparable to the one that South Carolina offered me. So I was just like, I mean, I would have stayed close to home. However, coach couldn't say my name right. Yeah. So you would have, you would have went to Okie state. Uh, depending on circumstances. Right, 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 right. If it, if South Carolina didn't offer me what they offered me, then maybe. What was, but, uh, was Reed on that team on that Oklahoma state team? Reed Morgan. I think he, no. He wasn't I on think, that team yet? I don't think so. No, because he's, what, like two years younger than me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because he was at Carolina in 19, so. We would have we been in college together had I went there, but. I was just curious. I know, I know that's where he started, so I was just curious if that, that was the year he was there or not. Um, yeah. But, no, I, like I said, I know that had to be a crazy feeling for you, man, again. I mean, going up against Oklahoma State, and again, you you guys, it didn't go the way you wanted um, that close to getting to Omaha. But, again, I know you talked about it a little bit earlier, but you look back on that season. I mean, I, I'm sure it's the positive memories for you for you have got to stand out. I mean, obviously that, you know, you got basically one opportunity in SEC baseball. And, I mean, with that group of dudes and the successes you guys had. And, again, you won the SEC East, which 
again, I was talking to Tyler about that. It's not something to just be glossed over. Like you, when you win the SEC East, you've had a damn good year. I mean, it's the best conference in college baseball. You're beating out Florida, Vandy, Georgia. I mean, we all know the usual suspects, but I mean, you guys had a hell of a year. That's the only way to put it. You guys had a hell of a year that year. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun. That's yeah. all I got to say yeah, about it. No, for sure. Just, for, uh, I had some friends who actually were on the Mississippi State team that ended up winning the entire SEC, and it was because we didn't play our day game against uh, Florida that got rained out. Yes, yeah, so it was a half half game. You guys lost it by. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, it pissed me off because they literally all talked. How can about they? It. How I, I don't understand how that could be allowed. Like, how can you not make up that that game? That's insane. Uh, ex- especially yeah, especially to determine comes, a champion. Yeah, that's wild. It's crazy. But it got better for you, Braden. You got drafted third round of the 2016 MLB draft by Milwaukee. Um, again, after overcoming all the adversity and the injury, and like I said, going back to being told you probably would never throw again to having the season you had, and then getting that call. Talk about that day when you got that call. I'm curious, were you – because I know a lot of times the the draft and the Super Regionals overlap or the Regionals overlap or whatever, like – when. Where were you at? What were you doing? Like, were you pitching on the field for Carolina? Were you in the dugout or were you at home? Or like, what What? What was we that were, day like? We were at practice and they were like, hey, everybody who potentially is getting drafted today, bring your phones down and hand them to Billy. And I, I gave mine to Billy and I'm sitting there going through PFPs and then out of nowhere, you just see Billy sprinting out to me. <laughs> he's like, he's like, your phone is going off. It's going off. I was like, okay, Billy, I'm right here. I got it. Like answered it, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna take you for our next pick." I was like, "The Brewers? I haven't even talked to you guys. What are you? Why are you picking me?" It's like, ah. But I mean, I I loved it. Like it was yeah. it was an incredible feeling, you know, just being out there with all the dudes and getting to celebrate that moment with them. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it just had to be a great moment again <clears throat> for you personally, just overcoming overcoming all the adversity i mean that you dealt with with the injury and all that oh yeah injuries suck man yeah for sure and then so you're you you've had a lot of success at the minor league level as well and i know again you're on that journey right now you're in the midst of that that minor league grind which it's truly a grind people don't appreciate but it truly is a grind um just talk about overall so far your 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 experiences in minor league baseball i know again you, you've battled some injuries there as well and you know, there's a major adjustment to make, man, from, as you know very well, from, like, even SEC ball to the minors. I mean, it, it's still a big adjustment. You're going through a 162-game schedule, and granted, you know, you're not having to play every day like those those uh, position players, but still, that's that's a – it's a grind. There's no other way to put it. It's a grind. It is. It definitely is a grind, and, and people don't realize that, you know, it's not it's not a luxurious lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, like, for me, like, I was lucky enough – I was lucky and blessed enough to get a, a good signing bonus. Mm-hmm. And I did some things for my family, but other than that, like I don't touch that money. Mm-hmm. Like I, I live paycheck to paycheck and you don't make a lot of money in the minor leagues and people don't realize that they're like, Oh, you got this big signing bonus. Like you got a lot of money. Yeah. But at the same time, like if I don't make it to the big leagues, that money is all that I got. And then I had to go back through college to get a, uh, to go get my degree and to get a job, and so I just leave it alone. Like I leave the money alone. I 
I let my people take care of it. And I just worry about managing, you know, the $900 that you clear. <laughs> oh yeah. Every, every two weeks. You know? like, oh hey, people God. don't, like I said, like you said, people don't realize it. Like the oh. first, the first $300 of that goes to rent. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm shacked up in an apartment with a, a three bedroom apartment with four or five dudes. Yeah. Like we make things work like that because you don't make a lot of money and it's not, it's not luxurious mm. and travel nine hours on a bus that might not even have air conditioning. Like, you know, I'm not complaining about it because I love it. Like, right, 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 people, right. people don't realize how how close it makes you with other dudes mm. because of that, like the bonding that you get to to have. But it's it's crazy. Like minor league baseball is brutal, and and it got even more brutal in 2020. Right, you guys didn't even have a season. I mean, it's just you, the yeah. minor leaguers <laughs> got really screwed last year. I thought. Um, just talk about. I mean, how did you navigate 2020? What was like the I guess what was your daily routine, even if I mean, because I, I imagine you, you got to stay in game shape. You don't know if it might, you know, who knows? The season might end up happening at some point or whatever. You you got to stay sharp. I mean, what what did you do in twenty twenty two? You know, because I think you had a lot of positive momentum going into that season, right? I mean, what did you do to like sustain that? Like, what what was the? You know, I started so so the day that quarantine hit, I was in Arizona. Um, I came home and I uh, started training with Dylan Bundy who's like my older brother. He, he's from around the same area and we went to high school together. Um, so he and I started working out together until he ended up having to leave. Like we were, we would treat it like the week, like we were throwing games. So we'd have like a game day bullpen and then like a side bullpen on top of it. And we were on like a six day rotation just, just to make sure that we were staying in shape and giving ourselves time to recover and everything. So it was, it was like, I would wake up, I would eat my food. I would go train with him, go throw, come back home, mm. do my Zoom meetings with the brewers, and just basically sit around and wait on a phone call that <laughs> will or will not happen. Right. Jeez. And, and, I mean, it was true. That that truly was and just the uncertainty of that year and again trying to just trying to stay sharp. I mean, it's again, the minor leaguers got the shaft last year. There's no other way to put it. It was it was pretty brutal on all those all, all you guys. Hundred percent, I agree. Yeah, I, I want to move Braden to the off the field stuff because again, you know, I know I've harped <laughs> on it a lot, but you just can't tell your story without mentioning everything you've overcame to get to this point. But I want to shift gears a little bit in a different direction. Just talk about, you know, you're you're a man of faith, and you know, we've had conversations again off air about um, different things regarding life, and of course, baseball, but life and little bit more deeply kind of like what motivates you and what's inspired what what inspires you and just uh the type of dude you are and stuff like that and um just kind of talk about that because I mean, i'm sure that's something that's had to or has been something that has kept you positive you know kept you moving through all the adversity and through through everything that's that's come your way and i know you're a guy that believes everything happens for a reason which i think is the right perspective to have and i think you have a lot of positive a lot of great perspective on things as well but just talk about how that's assisted in your journey. Again, like I said, you're a man of faith, and I know that's pro that's a big thing for you. Um, so I'll just I'll give you the floor to kind of talk about, you know, kind of what inspires you and what what what's kind of led you to this point, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
basically the the biggest one obviously is my is my relationship with God and you know it's it's not perfect it it'll never be perfect um and people don't realize that it's it's like they see you know professional athletes who claim that they're Christians who go out and party and have a good time all the time and you know like th there's nothing wrong with going and doing those things all in moderation you know what i mean like like right. i can go out and have a good time with my friends and not even take a sip of alcohol or or do anything you know like that's just i mean that's it's not an excuse and for me you know faith has always kept me it has always kept me grounded and has always kept me moving because i personally like i said i've i've been stubborn in the past i've i've done things that i probably shouldn't have done just because i wanted to do them and faith always kind of it's like for me you know you keep you go out off the path a little bit and then it just like it like reels you back in you know fishing pole really did work like tiktok now <laughs> <Right, right. laughs> nah, but uh like i said you know like faith for me just has always kept kept me driven and people people ask me all the time like what drives you outside of faith or your relationship with god and, it, and for me it's it's to be the best version of myself that i can possibly be like i'm not i had to figure out that i'm not in competition with anybody else I'm in competition with the person who looks back at me in the mirror every morning. Mm. And once I figure that out, it's it's just like I hit the ground running. Like I stopped caring about what other people had going on in their lives. I started worrying right. about more about what I'm doing. Who who I am. Like I have a my worst thing that I got going on for me right now is I'm addicted to Dr. Pepper and I can't stop. <laughs> like I, I was a guy I was a guy though that I dipped all the time. I drank all the time. Like there's just extracurricular activities that I was doing that right, I just right. I, I weren't constructive. Weren't constructive, and they, they were right. they were bringing me down. And you know, I talk about you know leaving things in the past and negative negative energy and stuff like that was my negative energy. Like I was doing all those things, and it was hindering blessings for me. Mm. And so I gave that up. I started. I started a diet, like I started focusing on, you know, me and and what I've got going on and staying in my own lane. And once I started doing that, it was like everything else became more freeing. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say, I think that's part of your journey, man. It's like we all learn that you're, you know, your thoughts become your reality. You know, your thoughts become your actions, become your reality and manifest. Yeah, like yes. I was big into that too. And like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it sounds like, so simple, but it's 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 very it takes a lot of self discipline and it's it's very difficult for sure. Yeah, but that's like you want to talk about manifestation. Like, it, you could sit here and tell me that you want to be the biggest sports show ever, right? Or that you are going to be the biggest sports show ever. But if you're not putting forth action into those words, then they're just words and they don't mean anything yeah, to me. For sure. For sure. Agree. hundred percent. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to be that person that, mm. that my actions don't speak just as loud as my words, if not louder. Like I, I I'm trying to be about that action. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's definitely, again, we could go off on a whole different tangent about this, but I definitely think that's, that's something like, you're right. Like that's for some people that is the missing piece. Like you can read, 
you can read as many books as you, and I, you know, it's even about like starting in anything, businesses, relationships, sports, like you, you can read as many books as you want, watch as many videos, you know, and you can become inspired. Like if you don't take action, nothing will happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think it's interesting though. I think about this a lot. I feel like athletes are really good at like manifestation, if you will, because you think about it, you spend your entire career. That's what you do. You visualize everything. Yeah. You, you visualize that next pitch. If you're a golfer, you visualize that shot. Um, so you know, I, I definitely think I got your text, by the way. <laughs> I definitely think uh, athletes kind of, you know, you're a basketball player. You visualize that shot going in football, same way, everything. So, well, I, I, do, know, a I, lot think... of, I do a lot of visualization just off the mound. Like I'll stand yeah. there and I'll, I'll look at an empty home plate and visualize myself throwing a pitch. And then I'll go through the motion, and act like I hit that pitch. Right. And I'll repeat that for five to 10 minutes. Yeah. Two to three times a week. Yeah, because I mean, I, I you know, I one of my favorite things I love to say is that you know, there's no there's no guarantees if you keep a positive outlook and a positive attitude. No guarantees, positive things will happen. I mean, baseball is literally a great definition of that. Baseball is a game of good intentions and not always good results. I mean, just bottom line, that's how the ball is round. The game is random. But if you have a negative attitude, it's a hundred percent guarantee something bad is gonna, probably going to happen. You know, oh yeah, 100%. you can't beat a bad attitude. So again, not the the coach speak has entered the chat. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to get your take, Braden. I'm curious. Have you? I, th- I know. I'm pretty sure you have. But obviously, Mark Kingston going in his fourth year this year, kind of baseball. I know we're all really excited, and everybody feels really good about, especially this freshman crop of guys. And I, I know you. Uh, you were on me a little bit when I said that. Uh, you know that I feel like this is one of the deepest pitching staffs Carolina's had in a little. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's deep. I'm just trying to say, like the pit, since Kingston's been there, I think for sure it's you finally feel like. South Carolina has the arms to go weekend in, weekend out, and really, really compete. I mean, it's no disrespect to any of the, the previous guys. Like, I think last year's staff was pretty good. But, you know, you look at some of these newcomers, too. I mean, D1 baseball just ranked them fifth best class coming in. Um, but talk about more so just your relationship with Kingston. Have you gotten to meet Mark Kingston? And um, I know you're a guy – you kind of keep an eye on Carolina baseball from afar. So, I'm just curious to get your take on, on kind of the state of the program and stuff like that. Oh, man, I'm excited to see – how everything's going uh, with with the loss of last year. And uh, Kingston's a great, great guy. Uh, the first day that I ever even was there, I was I was working out, and he came up to me and introduced himself. And I was like, hi, like, I, I'm Braden. He's like, I know who you are. Like, uh, I, he's like, I just want to introduce myself. Like, so he went out. Right. He's a head coach there. He ain't got to take his time out of his day to come talk to some guy who just came back after his first pro season. You know what I mean? So he he's – very respectful and you know I, I the guys seem to just love playing for him i know that i've seen some of his practices and he's kind of like a drill sergeant so he, he better be keeping them boys in shape but i i enjoy i enjoy watching what he what he does and i'm like i said i'm excited to see what the team has in store for this season i can't agree i can't agree with the pitching staff thing but you know i mean it's not a disrespect it's not a slight to anybody it's just nah i just say that just because i mean brandon jordan a kid that i grew up with i I absolutely love yeah love the kid he's he's gonna be nasty well that trust me he's he's definitely part of that group of guys that uh, i mean i you know expect him to be the saturday guy um certainly gonna be on the weekend rotation no question but yeah i know you and i both like his game a lot um I thought the game that really defined Brandon last year, man, was that Clemson game. And I was at that one at Clemson, rowdy environments, a rubber match. But And I don't think he really had his best stuff that day. 
but he battled and only gave up one run in five innings. I was like, that's kind of who this guy is. Like, he's a battler. Even yeah. when you don't – that because I really feel like that's the test of a pitcher. It's not – I mean, dude, everybody, when they have their best stuff, is going to throw well. I mean, most of the time, you're going to throw pretty damn well. But how do you – I think that's what makes those big leaguers so great is those guys, even when they don't have it, maybe the breaking ball is just not there. They can't spot the fastball. They navigate it, and they still give their team a chance to win. And that's what I thought Jordan did last year. I'm excited to see what he does. I think he's a – him and Farr both paired up at that one-two, and then I think you got more than enough quality options at a three. I think they're talking about probably Julian Bosnick, the lefty, probably going to be that dude. But um, I think you got plenty of options. So, um, last question, I'll get you out of here, Brady. I know they, got, they got options for sure. No, they got options, yeah. I if, mean, if Mark B- Kingston's talking about you got 15 guys throwing 90-plus and, like, I think seven or eight of those throwing 95-plus. So. Listen, Velo gets you paid. Velo does get you paid. However, you got to go out and win games. You're right. You're right. And if if, if Brandon Jordan beats any of, of my numbers that you put out there, I'll get <laughs> I'll get the uh, South Carolina palm tree tattooed on me. <laughs> there we go. We have it on record. We have it on. Hey, record. You get you getting called out, little BJ. I was gonna say, I wonder who. Who's going to be the next freshman to break that record? 128 Ks is a lot, man. I mean, even I would say this, bro. St- you had 17 starts. I I'd be shocked if a freshman had 17 starts. That's a lot of starts. It's a lot of starts. It's a lot of starts. It was a long season. Indeed, indeed, it was. I'll tell you what. I miss those Monday massages, though. <laughs> <laughs> don't get don't get quite as many of those in the minors. No. Not at all. I think that's the funny thing for, for Carolina baseball players, man, is they go from playing at Carolina to it's literally like a downgrade. It is. It's like you would think people are like, oh, you're a pro baseball player. And you're like, God, take me back to college, please. Yes. That's what I've, been, the gear, I've been saying that. The, yeah. Everybody always tells me to close the yearbook. I'm like, dude, I was there for one year. You were there for four. Like, give yeah. me a break. Yeah. Like, I, I miss it. I miss college. I miss everything about it. Yeah. Seriously. Braden, it's been fun, man. I'm going to get you out of here. I, I, I'll give you the floor, though. I feel like you're a guy with tons of funny stories. Anything you can tell on air from that 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 year at uh, Carolina? doesn't have to be on the field. and be off the field. I mean, I, again, I, I know there's probably plenty that uh, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep, keep a secret. Uh, yeah, let's keep those a secret. <laughs> let's keep those a secret. Um, I'm trying to think about anything. Oh, my favorite story, Holbrook. So I forget what team we're playing, but I know that I think I'm pretty sure Tyler Johnson was on the mound, and I think he threw he threw like two pitches right down the middle of the plate, and this this is like the this is a weekend series. I forget, like I said, I forget who it was, but he comes Holbrook's pissed, like just yelling at the umpire the entire time. Asking Hunter, like, where's those pitches? Hunter's, like, right down the middle. So he calls timeout, and he goes out there to the mound. And he doesn't say a word to nobody. Just stands there on the mound. Everybody else, like, the entire infield's there, the catcher, pitcher. Holbrook's not saying anything. He's just just standing there. Umpire comes out, says his piece about, like, break it up, blah, 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 whatever, right? Holbrook looks at everybody and goes, we'll see you in the clubhouse. Turns around and just proceeds to march and just stick his foot up this dude's butt. Like, just 
going after the umpire, kicking dirt. Like the whole stadium is going crazy. And that that was just like my favorite favorite home run story. He always he always had those sayings too. He's like, I had my Red Bull today. You you better get your piss hot, or I'm gonna make you boys sweat, or something like that. It's like Holbrook, chill. God, what a legend, Braden. I I I, uh, I have to bring this up by the way, because I know we talked about it the other night. Though I, I'm gonna oh, put you God. on the spot here. You're uh, I don't watch the show by the way. I know there's probably some people tuned in that are diehard. You're either like diehard or you don't watch it at all. The uh, <clears throat> the Bachelor Bachelorette series. Is there a chance you might be on there? I I, I think you brought that up. You want you want to uh, give your your like sales pitch right now? I'm I'm sure you're like going through that process. Or that is that is that like a dream of yours? You're trying to get on the show or what? No, I don't know. So, <laughs> all right, I'll tell you the story. So I am I am working out with Dylan in his building, uh, and like I just I had I have no service there, and so we finished up our workout. And then I looked down at my phone and I have this like text message and it was like, Hey, this is so-and-so the casting producer for the bachelorette. I was like, what? Like, this has <laughs> gotta be a joke. And she was right. like, I, she said, I tried calling, please call me back. I didn't call back. So I'm sitting there just like, okay, who, like, what is this joke that's being played on here right now? Like I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about it. Well, I get down the road and within 10 minutes of me exiting the building, and being down the road, I got another phone call from her. So I picked it up and she was like, Brayden, like, it's so exciting to talk to you. I've been stalking your social media. She was like, your, your personality basically is, is top five, top five material for this. I was like, this, there's no way that you actually like, <laughs> she was like, yeah, I've been on your social media for an hour. I was like, Oh my, like, I hope you don't find something that you don't need to see on there. Like this so I, can't, I I was just like, okay. So she ended up e- emailing me uh, like all these requirements for this thing. And so it was like, you got two interviews. You got to send in this video. Um, and so I entertained the process for a, a minute. I still have... Uh, I, I still have the option to, to entertain one more part one more part to it but i i don't know if that's something that i i, I want to continue if, if baseball doesn't work you have a backup <laughs> yeah if baseball doesn't work I if a hey, worst case man you go on there and you get about hundred thousand instagram followers and start, start a little business or something like whatever i mean pretty it, much basically what everybody does on there it is what it is but you know i'm i uh i don't know i have until the i want to say the 27th yeah, I have until the 27th to decide if I want to do the last portion of it or not. To and if baseball season, that's I think that's what they're banking on is the fact that baseball season might get pushed back, so they really want me to do the show. Because mm-hmm. never on the, I guess there's never been like a professional baseball player that has like actually gotten to go on the show as a professional baseball right. player. It's like X, right? So I don't know. We'll see. I can't. I can't give out any any secrets. It's something that I'm. I'm seriously. I've seriously considered it. There's only one reason as to why I would really go on that show. And I can't, I can't tell you the, that reason. <laughs> I know this video is going to get put out there. And oh, fair I, enough. Yeah. If I, if I put, if I give out my secrets, then it, it takes away all the surprise. But 
there's only one reason as to why I would ever go on that show, and I, I don't know. The, the suspense, I, I, the suspense is going to kill us until we find out. I, I debated it. See, because if I go on that show, I, I'm in it to win it, and, <laughs> and not not fully win it. But if I go on that show, like I'm trying to make it top five at least, yeah. you know, <laughs> top five before I make my my exit. And I already have I already have everything planned out. Like I'm I'm a thinker, and so strategy the strategy. Yeah, it's. You, you people out here trying to play checkers. I'm out here playing chess. Like we're, we're making moves ahead of, uh, of moves. Keep your eyes peeled, folks. You might see Braden Webb on the Bachelorette. Who knows? Potentially wreaking yeah. havoc. <laughs> Who knows? Braden, I think that's a great place to put a pin in it. Pres- pleasure chatting with you, man. Honestly, yeah, thanks been for a, having it's been me, a while. Man. Um, obviously again, I know I speak for all Gamecock fans when I say it was a pleasure watching you do what you did on the field, but off the field as well. Um, type of dude you are, man. I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, yeah, man, it's a blast. We'll have to do this again soon for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, bro. So absolutely. He's Braden Webb. I'm Chris Fultz. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.